Kneel now, O son of man. I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Hello, people. Feels like your miles away. Good evening. Don't even need no shade when your sun don't shine. Shine. Too many this is Toby Mac, as you guys know, probably. Robot like limousines. It's hard to keep believing when it pass you by and by. Promises. I never I feel like a therapist forget. right now. I never will forget. So hold on, hold on. The Lord ain't finished yet. Hold on, hold on. He'll get you through this. Hold on, hold on. These are the promises. I never will forget. I never will forget. I know your heart been broke again. I know your prayers ain't been. Left, 
right, left. So there you go. So <clears throat> so we started the show with this song. I, I picked this song because earlier today... Okay, so Bareface and me have had a very interesting day. Yeah, we have. You know what we did today? Cleaned. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I know normal people probably clean every clean every week, right? <laughs> that, that's so boring. You know, I I I don't enjoy maintenance. I like I like the you know dramatic <laughs> dramatic, dramatic improvement. Change. Yeah. <laughs> so so we we made today a cleaning day at our we house. Did. And um yeah. Well, so yeah, I didn't go to pickleball, neither did Bearface. Nope. We we much as I wanted to. We sacrificed pickleball. I just was <laughs> early this week, I was looking around and I said, It's time. <laughs> it's time for that dramatic change. So I'm not gonna play pickleball this Saturday. I'm gonna dedicate my day to cleaning. Pre spring cleaning. So okay, so here's the thing though. The song Toby Mac, um, it's called Move in the subtitles keep walking and actually when earlier today when um i was in the bedroom and hi hi sean and mia and whoever else is out there watching the show um anyway randall had the music on in the bedroom and and this song came on i was like oh yeah i i remember this song i haven't played it in a long time but you know it made me think of my friend cheryl um today uh, my friend, one of my best friends in the whole entire universe, somebody I consider, you know, a part of my heart, um, buried her mother, who died um, just a couple days back. Hey, Forrest and Barb. Okay, you guys are there. And so all day I've been thinking about my friend and, um, you know, how, um, you know, how the death of a mom is... The, it's one of the hardest deaths to get through, especially for daughters. You know what I mean? So, you know, you got to keep moving. You know, that's as believers, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Right. And so I was thinking about her today and I was thinking about, you know, we live in very uh, tumultuous times and, and, you know, prophecy headlines are all over the news. Uh, and, you know, people are looking for answers. They're looking for um, comfort, right? People are looking for hope. And a lot of people are looking for it in politics. We're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. About with we're gonna, Okay, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to talk about <clears throat> what Lou Dobbs said. We're going to show that to you. We're also going to uh, discuss an article um, about evangelism. And one author writes that evangelism, not world events, will speed christ's return right in fact today uh, um um i was talking to um somebody uh who was giving me a massage about the end times interestingly um and and so i wanted to start the show because <clears throat> literally like two hours ago i had a massage so this is why i look so relaxed people it's because i was relaxed you know, and the best part is I'm bar bartering services. So, hey, you know, I get to give some of my expertise to this person. They get to, you know, give me their expertise and totally. You guys, self-care. And she suggested I talk about self-care at the top of the show. And so I'm going to talk about that for a couple of minutes. Um, and tie it into, 
um, you know, tie in. Really? What are you doing down there? Tie it into what our culture is doing and how our culture tries to find uh, comfort and peace and all that stuff. Okay. So what is self-care? People. What is it? I'll tell you what it is. It's actually the ability to take care of yourself and your own needs. And, you know, honestly, this is a tough topic. And I'm going to be honest, it is a tough topic because um, <clears throat> if, if we all truly took care of ourselves in a healthy way, then there wouldn't be any codependency in the world, first of all. Right? Because God didn't call us to be codependent people. He called us to be interdependent. There's quite a difference in that. Okay? So, um, codependency, simply put, is basically when you decide, like, if you're a codependent, you, you put your needs above, you put your needs, you put everybody else's needs above your own. That's what I was trying to say. I'm so relaxed. I couldn't get it out. People, just so you know. Um, and you don't, you don't realize that it's okay to have your own need, right? And then you have people though, who are people who are, um, who are just takers, right? And there are people out there who will take, 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 take from you and they'll never give you anything in return. <clears throat> there's people that way in business. There's people that way in your family. There's people that way in the church. Okay. It's everywhere. So What's the answer? The answer is to first figure out what kind of person you are, right? Are you a taker? Are you a codependent? Or are you somebody who can do the healthy thing and be able to, to receive and set boundaries and stuff? Because here's the thing with both of those situations. Both of those situations, there are no boundaries, you know? Um, and you have to learn to be able to set your boundaries, whether it's an internal boundary or an external boundary, it doesn't matter. If you cannot say no, you don't have boundaries, right? And um, recently, I, I can't I can't remember the exact situation, but I but somebody came to me and they needed something, and I said, actually, no, I can't do it. Just so you know, sorry, <laughs> you know. And and here's here's what I can tell you: when you set boundaries with somebody who doesn't like boundaries being set with them they will not friend you anymore. They'll be, they will no longer be your friend. And you know what? That's okay. Because, um, you don't want that type of friend, you know, cause that just tells you, that, that tells you all you need to know. So, uh, <clears throat> so I want to encourage you to can kind of examine, examine yourself, figure out what kind of person you are. If you, if you actually do take care of yourself and, you know, honestly, one way I take care of myself, I play pickleball. That's my exercise. I have fun. I'm social with people. Um, I have quiet time by myself. I need that downtime to, to rejuvenate myself. Uh, I journal. Um, I write, obviously. I have a book coming out soon. I know you guys have been waiting forever for it. Don't worry. It will be out eventually <laughs> sometime this year, sooner than later. Um, and, you know, just recently started getting massages because of a great barter system I'm in right now, which is totally awesome. And, you know, I get to use my gift to help them and they get to help me. And that's awesome thing. So, <clears throat> you know, take time to 
take care of yourself because you you're the only you you have and it's okay it's okay to do that um just so you know okay randall you have any thoughts on that on self-care and yeah. about codependence versus interdependence about your barter system about your book about anything <laughs> which that, that is that well yeah yeah, certainly interdependent rather than codependent. And a great, great biblical passage on that is in Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to paraphrase, not going to, in, in sort of beginning verse, I forget anyway, uh, maybe around verse 9 anyway. It talks about, um, um, there's one part that talks about bear one another's burdens and full so fulfill the law of Christ. It's verse two of Galatians six. Yeah, but then later we're told that each one should shall bear his own load. Right. And it's like, well, which is it? Are we to bear one another's burdens or bear our own load? Hello, George, over there and, on on uh, YouTube. And hopefully your translation has different words for burden and load because they are different. Uh, they are yes, different in they the are. Greek. Uh, burden deals with that, a burden too big basically for one person to carry, and uh, which brings back to Ecclesiastes, you know, two are better than one, etc. Um, that we're designed to be interdependent and bear one another's burdens, those things that are too heavy for us, for any one person to carry. But what's suitable for one person to carry, a load, each one should bear uh, his own load shouldn't voice it off in somebody else or oh help me because i'm you know um yeah and codependency has that dynamic where you know both sides two people are involved in carrying the load of one person and and that's that's not healthy um so those are my thoughts on that about um, interdependence versus codependence. Well, Sean, just, I think that's... Sean complimented us. Great. The libertarian that watches us. Mm. No. <laughs> he says you're... better he, than any he, Republican. This is what he says. He says, he, he says you are both, quote, real, unquote, people. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I respect. Well, thank you. You know what? I can't. You cannot do this show fifteen, almost going on sixteen years without being yourself. Just saying. Um, and people that do are, that's sad. Just saying. Yeah, uh, and a Yankees hater. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of people that are Yankees haters. I'm used to it. I don't care. It really doesn't matter to me that much. All right. So speaking of the Yankees, Lou Job, Lou Dobbs. Sorry, I am like. Just so you know, I'm I really should be sleeping right now because I had this good massage, but I was like, okay, I gotta do this job now. Okay, so Lou Dobbs, uh, do you have the video of that? Yes, I do. Okay, so we're gonna just listen to this because, um, yeah, that's what we're gonna do. <laughs> we'll listen to it together for the first time because I haven't heard it yet. So, but it's been trending on some of my friends' Facebook pages, so I pulled it. Okay, all right. I thought it would be good. All right. So Grant Jeffries, uh, our Robert Robert Jeffries. That, yes. Yeah, he's been on our show. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, I want to make sure that we've got uh, audio feed here as well as video. Okay. I'm really trying. I'm working hard at staying 
staring at that camera because I know when I look down and look to the side, read comments, it doesn't look like I'm really looking at you. Yeah, I am. I'm going to put Sean's picture right there. No, just kidding. I will. I'll put Bareface's picture there. Well, joining us tonight, Pastor Robert Jeffress, member of the White House Faith Initiative, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Fox Business contributor, great American, good to have you here. And you. Uh, the right to pray, the president signing the executive order, how important? It's very important. You know, the president wasn't creating a new right. He was protecting a right, Lou, that has been around for hundreds of years, but it's a right that has been under assault from left-wing groups like the Freedom From Religion Foundation or liberal courts. And when the president told me a few weeks ago he was going to do this, I told him nothing would excite conservative Christians or people of any faith more than this action. And Lou, here's why. Back in 1962, when the Supreme Court abolished prayer in the school, many people saw that as the first shot in a 60-year war on religion by government. It and they were removing Bible reading. No, they were right, because it was followed by removing Bible reading, Ten Commandment displays, and so on. But the president's courageous action yesterday is seen by many as the a sign that the end of the war on religion has finally come. And Lou, this is why I say without hesitation that no president in history, and I'm including Ronald Reagan or either one of the Bushes, no president in history has done more to preserve religious liberty than President Donald J. Trump. Well, uh, indeed, he is doing everything he promised and, and in fact, more. Uh, Planned Parenthood, by the way, on another issue, uh, launching a campaign, nine, uh, selecting nine battleground states to go after the president uh, and the Republican Party uh, for their uh, pro-abortion candidates. $45 million, your reaction? The executive director said it all of Planned Parenthood when she said, we have never had a group of Democrat candidates with a bolder abortion policy than the ones we have right now. And she's right. There's never been a group of Democrats with a mar more barbaric view of abortion any time for any reason, even when the baby's in the birth canal of the mother. And then she said the second reason is we've got to get Donald Trump out of office because in just three years, he's undone all of the good we've spent many years years accomplishing. Uh, I'll say it again, Lou. I don't see how any Christian with any conscience whatsoever could even think about voting for one of these barbaric Democrats who embrace this evil view of abortion. Well said, Pastor. We appreciate it. Pastor Robert Jefferson, as always, great to Thank have you, you with Lou. us. So, okay. Can I hear myself? Okay. Hmm. So, Pastor Robert has been on our show a few times. You know, I have to honestly say, I think he's one of the cutest pastors out there. I mean, he's so cute. He's, he is cute. And he, when he gets fired up, he's like, <laughs> he, and he usually wears a, a blue tie, in case you didn't notice that. Just observation. He always wears a suit. He looks good in a suit. But anyway. Um, aside from the commentary on his look, I did that on purpose, okay? Because, you know, in the liberal media, what they do, I don't know why I have my headset. I don't need that. In the liberal media, what they do is they look at the, the woman, you know, and the dress she wears and the color, you know, and her hair, you know, and all that. 
So it's kind of like turnabout's fair play, people. I mean, seriously, if you can go ahead and judge how a woman looks broadcasting, then we can certainly judge how a pastor looks on TV when he is being bold about what he believes. Just saying, people. So all that to say, Pastor Jeffers, is, he's cute. And I, I like his passion. He's in Texas, and I like that. I think that's great. And he makes a great point about the whole abortion thing, right? I mean, so President Donald Trump, you know, <laughs> it's being reported that he has done more for the pro-life world and religious freedom and Christians than any other president in history, modern history anyway. Um, is that true? What do you guys think? Do you think it's true? Put a yes if you think it's true. Put a no if you're like, nah. Put it. Put a like, no. This is all a scam. You know, President Trump, he's just like a, uh, what do you call, um, a plant. Yeah. Right now, he's looking good for the believers, but but pretty soon after he's revoted in in the next four years, you know, then the truth will come out. The evil doer, you know, is you know. Yeah, as the, uh, you know, started out a discussion on his his proclamation or whatever, executive order, I don't remember what it was, but about his, I know, there's a big difference, and I know that. No, but, I'm, I'm laughing because you and me literally <laughs> are real. We haven't eaten much. We've been cleaning all day. I just had a massage, and like, this is clear, we're trying to pretend we prepared for this show, and just so you know, we didn't. Not anyway. much, anyway. So, <laughs> anyway, when when President Donald J. Trump spoke up uh, uh, in defense of a student's right to pray, there was no change of law. It was just calling attention to what the law is. A, a student does have right, exactly. Uh, yeah, what you said. Yeah, and so, but he's the first, you know, the first to be vocal about it in a long time or speak up or just like the. Just like the speech at uh, the March for Life, um, mm -hmm. you know, True. It, it didn't make any you know new laws or anything like that, but stated some truths that we've never heard that I've never heard. Yep, from the the occupant of the White House. Well, George is saying actions speak louder than words. Mm. That's right, they do. Indeed. You you, you ever heard the um. That saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. There's a reason that saying is, is a saying, right? It's because people who say they'll do one thing and then they never do, but then they go, oh, I meant to do it. Well, I intended to do it, right? But Donald Trump... Or I, I would have done it if. Right. And, and I can say with, with Donald Trump, you know, the liberal media has painted him out to be the, a misogynist, a hater, a racist, all this stuff, right? I mean, and is some of what they are have attacked him for accurate? Sure. Of course it is. I mean, there's always truth. There's always truth in some lies, right? I mean, so that's that's it. But here's the thing. The thing that impressed me the most about Donald Trump so far, even even yesterday when we played the thing at the March for Life, that wasn't it. His stand for Israel and moving the embassy to Jerusalem. 
that right there. And again, that was... Took massive courage. Yeah, and it was something that took... Well, go ahead. You say it. Well, the... The... the, um, Whatever the move to... I guess it's a law. You know, the, the order, the decision to move the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, that was... That was passed by Congress in 96, I think, whatever. Bill Clinton signed it mm-hmm. to law. But in there, there was a provision that the president could could postpone the move. Uh, it could be reviewed every four years and postponed for or something like that. I don't remember. Um, reviewed every so often and postponed for so long with every review. And... So there was this bold statement again. Intentions. Congress said yes, we um, we will move the. And I think that was when the Republican-controlled Congress, under the Democratic president, you know, the Republican-controlled Congress said yes, we're going to move the, we're going to recognize Jerusalem as a capital and move our embassy there. And Bill Clinton signed the law. But he said, yep. but you know, I'm going to take this little clause in here and, and not do it right net yet. We're going to put it off for a little while. And then, and then you know, W same thing. Every time it came for you, let's go put this off. Obama certainly wasn't going to do it, and so yeah. And then Trump goes and does it, and it's like, oh, he's shaking things up. He's whatever. It's like, well, <laughs> he didn't do anything that Congress hadn't already approved, and a president, a Democratic president, signed many years ago. Mm-hmm. He didn't really shake things up. He just <clears throat> instead of take instead of let me just making an intent. Actually, you know what are we putting this off for? Let's just do it. Yeah, let me read what Robert W says over on Periscope. He says, "Under Obama, we couldn't say Merry Christmas. Now under Trump, we can." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There again, there was no change of of law, but there was definitely a. a Climate change, if you will, not talking about the weather, people, or global warming, but although that's another a... topic, like flat Earth, that's another topic for another fun day. Yeah, but but there's a <clears throat> excuse me zeitgeist, a, a moral climate kind of thing, a different, a different, you know, I don't know, morality, you know, pervading, you know, the White House, at least the executive branch of government. Where, again, there's no law against the president or anybody else saying Merry Christmas. There has been. It's been a... It's been a... Um, I don't know. I don't oh, want to say culture well, war, but... George, well, anyway. George says, how soon do you think the Muslims, pagans, Wiccans, and all the others will use this to promote their agenda? And in parentheses, religion. They're already doing it. You know, it's interesting, George, because... I, for whatever reason, God put me in this position like 16 years ago, right? Never in my life did I ever actually think I would be doing this, just so you know. Uh, <laughs> I want to be a therapist, and I am in a, in many ways. Uh, I was, and, 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 you know, now I'm helping people in different ways. But what I've observed in the media, and and this is the thing, is the liberal media won't show all of that stuff so like wiccans there are 
hundreds of thousands of Wiccans in America. Uh, my friend Carl Teichrib, who I absolutely love, he's he's awesome. Uh, he wrote he wrote a book called uh, Game of God. Is it Game of Gods? Game of Gods. Yes. Game of Gods. And he goes into all of these these pagan festivals and all these other things. I need to get him on our show again. But he, in fact, he's in our new role in. You know, I haven't Randall put him in there, but but he goes into all of this stuff and and the spiritual warfare. You know, I mean the the stuff that they that they believe in, the, the way that they tap into the supernatural and all that. The Christian church, you got you got the nutty side of the Christian church that's out in left field who doesn't know the word of God. Then you got the stiff people in the church who know the word of God, but they don't believe in the supernatural. <laughs> the irony of it all, you know, um, uh, and they don't they don't understand the value of what we really have, you know, uh, in the world of, quote, spiritual warfare. Um and and I would add that we also have a big segment of the body of Christ that does not pray. And I'm talking mainly in America, okay, because that's, that's who I see as far as Christians. Having spent eight years writing about Christian persecution, though, for the Voice of the Martyrs on their blog, persecutionblog.com, I learned a lot about the church worldwide, um, especially the persecuted church. So the persecuted church, they get all that. Like in in nations like Nigeria and other countries over there where Christians are being slaughtered and they're being attacked and murdered by Muslims, Buddhists and pagans and Wiccans, um, not Wiccans in the sense of things, but they're dealing with voodoo and witchcraft and all that stuff. And they know that it's real in America. We we you know, we have TV shows that people tune into and they're like, oh, this is so great. I can't wait for the latest episode of blah, 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 blah. And they're buying into this stuff. In fact, I was thinking about this um, yesterday. And this this may sound like I'm going off on a tangent, but I'm really not. So I was scrolling through some stuff and I saw an ad for General Hospital, the soap opera. If you've listened to me a long time, then you know I used to watch that soap opera many years ago when Luke and Laura were the were the big thing way back in the 80s, right after, actually before I became a, a Christian and then I became a Christian. Anyway, long story short, General Hospital eventually, it, it GH was known as kind of the family soap, you know, because they didn't have all of the the amount of immorality, you know, you know, in the soap opera, it was really more like mystery and suspense and, you know, all this stuff. But in later years, you know, what happened is, um, it, they, they introduced this time, this, uh, this storyline about vampires. In fact, there was a, um, a spinoff called Port Charles. And they really went off the deep end with this whole issue of vampires and, and the supernatural, right? And then they brought it back, I don't know, five or six years ago. They brought it back, right, right around the 50th anniversary of GH. And, um, and I remember thinking when I watched it, like, wow, this is kind of crazy. Kind of crazy insane. Because at the same time, they also introduced Christian characters into the show. So they would have one, one or two of the, the Christians on GH, you know, uh, talking about the Bible or whatever, but then they would have all this other stuff. So it's like this mishmash of religious worldview. 
which is why I think it's 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 interesting for Christians who actually know what they believe and why to be aware of what's out there. Because, you know, we look in the book of Colossians and, and we look at the life of Paul and, you know, when he was on Mars Hill, it was Paul, right? It wasn't Peter. Was it Peter or Paul? It was Peter. Paul. Paul. When, you know, when he was on there proclaiming, you know, hey, I've found, you know, the one true God, you know, the unknown God. I know who he is now, you know, because everybody's always searching after gods, right? But the clear God is Jesus. That's the clear, obvious God. Now we have fake Jesuses, like in the Jehovah's Witnesses and in the Mormon church, right? We also have the fake Jesus of the new age, um, who, you know, is your, um, I don't know what they call him. The but Christ consciousness. Yeah, that's it. He was just one example Sorry, of... I'm, I'm doing this after a massage, so I'm just, you know, just trying to... Yeah, it's a lot of the new age world. He was the one of the one of the people in history to acquire the Christ consciousness which is available to us all <clears throat> the god within us etc anyway as you were yeah anyway so so anyway back to george's comment my point is is that these people are already promoting it they own the media um they own our government in many ways, right? Especially under the Obama administration. I mean, Hillary Clinton is not a nice person. She's heavily involved in the occult. I mean, when somebody like Hillary, who's not only, what was it? She's Secretary of State at one point and also um, First Lady. She ran for president. She was in, you know, she was a senator. Um, and, you know, it's, you know, there was all of that stuff before during the campaign about, you know, engaging in the supernatural, the dark side of the supernatural. And yet the Christian church is like, whatever. <laughs> we can't get out and vote for Donald Trump because the world might hate us. <laughs> because, because there are much better candidates. Well, and moral candidates, constitutional well, candidates. Yeah. Okay. But here's the other thing, the whole Muslim issue, right? You know, there are more, there are a lot of different types of Islam. Of course, when George W. Bush was our president, that's when Islam became very popular and everybody started to know about it, right? In modern history, you know, I mean, people like to bring up the Crusades. Ah, oh, those Christian people and the Crusades and how they killed people. But the Crusades was actually a response to Muslims killing believers, which they conveniently always leave that part out. It's like, well, so Christians can't defend themselves. So George Bush, okay, let's just say for sake of argument, it wasn't a government thing that did it. And let's just say all this whole thing with the World Trade Center was actually truly legit and Muslims really did attack us and it wasn't a government setup. I tend to think it's a little of both. Um, but with that said, Bush, along with religious leaders like Rick Warren and Bill Hybels and all those dudes, they decided that they were going to mingle Christianity and Islam to make Chrislam because after all, all religions are the same. And yes, we're all unified, aren't we? And so then you have the queen of the new age, Oprah Winfrey, also out there, and if you go back through archives, it's kind of fun to watch how Oprah has, quote, evolved, um, 
it's really interesting to look at the culture because Oprah was out there promoting all these new age practices and your Christ consciousness and blah, 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 blah. And there's been a big shift in the church that way. I would say that the church by and large today, most believers who follow Christian celebrities or Christian pastors are actually part of the apostate church, which is largely new age and in its teaching. It's not actually biblical. You would be very hard pressed to find solid biblical uh, Christians in the majority of the church in America. And I say that with boldness and conviction based on the fact that all you have to do is look at the big mega churches in our country. Why are they big mega churches? Because people like Joel Osteen and Rick Warren don't preach the gospel the way that it was intended to be preached, you know. Um, you know, and I will say, I will give a caveat. There are pastors out there that do. But by and large, if you go to a Christian bookstore and you, well, first of all, Christian bookstores no longer exist pretty much anywhere. Um, but in the olden days when there was a Christian bookstore, if you went in and you started looking at stuff, you would be very hard pressed to find actually solid Bible teachers, you know, putting stuff in there, which, which is tragedy, you know, and I say this because I've been following it for close to 20 years and it's, you know, I've been a Christian close to 40 years, which makes me now feel kind of old. Um, and the majority of my discipleship has come from Christian apologists like Greg Kokel and, and, um, you know, Kay Arthur from Precept Ministries. And, you know, I've sat under a lot of John MacArthur's teaching. Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum, of course, is my number one teacher in the area um, who sponsors our show. But most importantly, the Holy Spirit and through actually reading the word of God has been my teacher. But you can't get Christians today, a lot of them in America, to do that like you can Muslims who will dedicate themselves to the Quran, pagans who dedicate themselves to whatever, and Wiccans who definitely dedicate themselves to their books of witchcraft and stuff, their white spells, whatever it is they call it. You know, these people are dedicated. They pray. Uh, they hold their seances. They pray five times a day. And Christians, like, okay, I'll be there for the potluck. You can't get them to volunteer for children's church most of the time in in, in a, a church. So um, the fact that we even have Donald Trump as a president, getting back to him. I just lost my shoe. I don't know what happened to it. Um, there it is. Um, the fact that we even got Christians to come out and vote for somebody remotely close to a biblical Christian, you know, is a miracle. Because... If you look at the percentage of people that voted in the last election, it wasn't that high. <laughs> it's still a small percentage of people coming out to vote. So, you know, just to address another issue, hey, your vote matters. You know, because let's say, and I don't know what the numbers are, but I know it's still pretty low. Let's say 20% of the people in America come out and vote for this next election. Okay, so 20% vote. Um, so your vote is worth at least the vote of five other people, which actually impacts, you know, I think it was Janet Parshall I heard years ago say like that one vote is like equivalent to a thousand votes. So your one vote's equivalent to like 5,000 votes, you know, which is 
Is that possible here in America? I don't know. But you know what my point is, right? My point is, is that it's a miracle we got enough people to vote for Donald Trump in the first place. And it will be a miracle if we get more people to come out and vote next time. But I'm going to share something else in a second. But I mentioned Ariel earlier, and they are our sponsors still through March. So you guys, um, come on and take advantage of Ariel Ministries stuff. In fact, I should have brought my, my books up here because I put them in a bookshelf today. But there are some great stuff. Israelology, The Missing Link, Link in Systematic Theology is one of Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum's really great books. Also, one of my favorites of his is um, In the Footsteps of the Messiah. I'm just looking up here on the page because I want to see if I can find it. Um, it's actually a study of the book of Revelation, which honestly is a great, um, it's a great study because what he does is he, he gives, um, the different worldviews, the, the different views on Revelation. Um, and he's actually got a whole bunch of new books too that you can see. There's, there's a book called Ariel's Tri Trials, Trials and Triumphs that you can get if you go to, uh, the thing. You can learn about the Messiah of the Hebrew Scriptures, the HaMashiach. I don't know if I said that right, barefaced, but I... HaMashiach? What he said. Whereas I am part Jewish, barefaced can speak slight Hebrew. Yeah, he can. It's only this much. I can say Shalom and Tuvia. Uh, anyway, you have any more thoughts on that? On which? On anything I said. <laughs> I know, I know. That's my downfall. I'm a girl. I have more words than boys. I know, but you do this thing where you talk about eight different subjects and say, "Do you have any thoughts on that?" And I ask, "Actually, which thought? Which that is that?" And actually, they 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 do have the um audio. They they do now have an audio book of Yeshua, Life of Messiah. Did you see that? I did not. So, yes, Ariel Ministries audiobook. It's the abridged version. It's $24, and you can save 20%. Hey, I don't know who's reading it, though, because if it's Arnold reading it, then... Um, that would be great. It'll be great, because then you can hear it, but let's see. Uh, it's not. It's Rob Holding, so it's probably somebody with lesser of an accent. So, you may want to check that out, because um, it's a great, great... It's a... It's this is the best study ever. I mean, this study changed my walk with God, honestly, because it helped me to understand the Lord a lot better. Um, but anyway, so that's our sponsor, Ariel Ministries, Ariel.org. Go, don't forget to go there. Also, um, uh, do you want to show that coupon code? What coupon For the code? The Fetch one. Fetch? Yeah. Hmm. So Fetch Rewards, you guys. You know, I don't know if you're like me, but I like to save money any way I can. And Fetch Rewards, this is a mobile app. Okay, you can go to your app store. You can download Fetch Rewards. And um, you can put in that code WRBEA like there. So take a screenshot of the screen. When you download the Fetch Rewards app, WRBEA, you can put that in there and you'll actually get... Um, 2,000 points, I believe, when you download, which is equivalent to $2. But then here's how the app works. Basically, whenever you go shopping at a grocery store, 
then you take a picture of your receipt. It they will give you points for that receipt, and they'll and you'll do that. And then you refer people, and you can make money that way too. And I have. I've, I've actually made quite a bit of money. I think I have 10 people that are close to 10 people who've downloaded my code. And I encourage you to do it because, hey, you can save some money. That's, that's just for free. You can do that. doesn't cost you anything. Um, the other thing is Legal Shield. You know, worry less, live more. Uh, I have my Ladies of Justice thing here. Yep. And, uh, you know, I recently was talking to my business coach that I hired recently and she asked me, she said, so tell me what it is that you like about Legal Shield." And I said, well, you know, it's affordable for everybody and everybody has right to an attorney and you don't have to Google your law answers anymore. You can actually call them up and talk to them. And then she said, what, what is it that you like about the company? And I said, well, and I don't actually talk a lot about this, but one of the things I like about Legal Shield, the company as a whole, is the people. Here's the thing. How do I say this? If you're going to grow as a person, person and do um, be a personal development person, then um, what you need to do is you need to be around good people, people who are honest, people who are ethical, people who um, are go-getters, who are positive, who understand, you know, life has hard things. You can get through it. You know, everything isn't always, woe is me, I'm going to die, you know, type thing. Um, that's what I love about the people here. I have had people in this company help me advance in this company, grow in this company, who get zero, zero financial compensation for it. And that's what's great about it. You know what I mean? So it is, um, uh, you know, it is just a great thing. That's what I like about Legal Shield. And I'm looking to build my team. I really am. I would love for you, man, woman, child. Well, you got to be 18. But if you're interested in learning how to actually earn some extra money uh, to build some residual income for you, especially those of you who are in my age bracket and you don't have a big retirement you start working and get that up coming in it's just like an insurance agent because legal shield is insurance um you can actually start building your own book of business and you know have that to help you when you end up in assisted living in 20 years or 30 years <laughs> hopefully you don't end up in assisted living but just saying you know if you're looking for a part-time income opportunity, this is a great thing for you to get involved in because it's easy. There's no monthly products you have to buy or anything. It's affordable. It's only 99 bucks to start. And there's so much training that unless you don't apply yourself, you'll be successful. So uh, you can hit me up for that. Or if you're interested in learning more about it, just, you know, hit me up so you'll know. Um, all right. I think that... Oh yeah, donate to our show too. One one last thing. Thank you for donating to our show. Um, those of you who have become pillars of our community, which is just people who commit to donating every month. Um, thanks. You know what? I really appreciate it. I appreciate the fact that you you value what we do enough to give us some money to help support it. You know what? That means the world to me. It means more to me than you know. Um, and... Uh, and you know what? The Bible says a laborer is worthy of a wage, you know? And uh, 
that's it. You know, if you think we're worthy, go for it. You know, so you can, you can always donate at our website. So, um, so there you have it. Okay. So, and George said, since I live in Soviet state of Minnesota, (laughs) (laughs) my vote doesn't much count. The twin cities decides the election here. Well, I understand George. I moved from California. I left California, so I completely get that. And it's hilarious to me in some ways because California um, is, it's sad. I mean, it's actually, a lot of people are calling it a third world country and they're not joking about it. They're actually saying that's the truth. And it's because of their liberal politics and the fact that Democrats have a stronghold. And getting back to the theme of the show, can you... Can real Christians, can a Christian with a conscience ever vote for a Democrat? I'm going to tell you my answer. My answer is it doesn't have to do with a conscience. For me, it has to do with um, if they're a biblical Christian. There's a lot of people calling themselves a Christian. But if you're a biblical Christian and you understand what God's word says about, you know, homosexuality and abortion, on those two things alone, you can't vote for a Democrat because, you know, the Democrat Party supports abortion and homosexuality and gay marriage, which is not of God, period. I was just going to say that uh, California is turning into a third world country in its governance, like you mm-hmm. alluded to. Uh, much like third world countries have an oligarchy, a rich oligarchy mm-hmm. rules things and and... You know, they live high in the hog while they subject the populace to, um, you know, ever-decreasing standards of living. I kind of see that what's going on in California, especially in the larger cities. So, let's see here. Um, I'm trying to see. Lorna says, I don't think... I would be much of a Christian. Oh, wait, no. I have, I forgot the first one. I don't know. I don't think so, but I don't believe if I was a Democrat that I would be much of a Christian. Okay, so that, that's there. Thank you for that. Uh, QT lady, Melanie has been blocked by me um, months ago. And the short reason why is because she lies a lot and she stalks me on other social media outlets as well as this. And frankly, I got sick of it. I'll just leave it at that. Um, I don't see California as, as that, but okay. Well, well, I can. <laughs> I guess. Are you in California? Because I went back and visited last year and a couple of years before that. And what I can tell you is their government is awful, especially against believers. So, um, yeah. So anyway. Um, I mean, I grew up there. I spent almost 40 years of my life in California. And it's living in Tennessee, it's like night and day. And there's stuff about Tennessee I don't like for sure. But the government, at least here in Tennessee, I can say Jesus' name. I can say I go to church. You know, it's one of the weirdest things I had to get used to was actually going. People would like, where do you go to church? I'd be like, I don't go to church, just so you know. What? You don't go to church? What are you, a heathen? But there's a lot of people from New York here, so, you know, that explains a lot. And Detroit, so. (laughs) Anyway, so let's get to this next story. Pastors, evangelism, not world events, will speed Christ's return. 
Uh, let's see here. Uh, I gotta find it. Okay, wait, hold on a second. Second. Look in front of your face. I know. I can't read that though. Okay, so this is from One News Now. It says, even though global events in the Middle East, including the escalation of U.S. tensions with Iran, are believed by many Bible scholars to be ushering in the end times, a recent survey shows pastors are three times more likely to believe evangelism will quicken the return of Jesus Christ. I would agree with that. Because you've got to share the gospel. Bottom line, right? The whole world has to know about Jesus before he's going to come back. Okay. Well, he'll return in his own time, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, this gospel will be preached in the whole, whole world. world, and then the end will come. Yeah. It's the Lord's end. So it says here, the latest study of 1,000 Protestant pastors conducted between August 20th and September 24th last year by Lifeway Research found that they were more confident that Christians reaching out to the lost with the gospel are more instrumental in speeding up the second coming than geopolitical conflicts mentioned in Bible prophecy. While scripture specifically says we cannot know the day or the hour of Jesus Christ's return, we are interested in pastors' views on whether Christians can play a role in bringing about the return any sooner, Lifeway Research Executive Director Scott McConnell noted. I like that they use the word noted. It's, it just shows their, you know, Michael Haverlock, who wrote the article, He's such an astute little journalist using the word noted instead of says. <laughs> this sounds more... Just mix it up. Serious. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just... I note stuff like that. No. <laughs> anyway, but only a small fraction believes spreading the word of God will have any effect on when Christ will come back. I, Well, if you read the Bible, all you got to do is look at Israel. That has a lot to do with it, people. Okay, anyway. Um, around 1% to 8%... Or like that's one in eight. One in eight. I'm gonna get glasses someday, one of these days. Okay, one in eight Protestant pastors, twelve percent believe Christians can speed up the second coming of Jesus by supporting geopolitical changes mentioned in the Bible. With five percent strongly agreeing, Lifeway researchers revealed eight in ten pastors don't believe their support will have an impact on the timetable of Christ's return, including sixty-one percent who strongly disagree. However, in 2013. When there were escalating conflicts with Syria, a larger percentage of Americans thought this Middle East term turmoil was indicative of the last days. Well, we are in the last days, <sighs> ever since the first coming. But anyway. Right. Almost one in three saw the conflict as part of the Bible's plan for the end times. Uh, one in four thought a U.S. military strike in Syria could lead to Armageddon, and one in five believed the world end. The, the world would end in their lifetime, including 32% of evangelicals. McConnell pointed out how a small proportion of pastors see man as a determinant of biblical timing. A large majority of pastors don't see biblical prophecies about future changes among nations as a roadmap for advocating specific international engagement. McConnell informed... Form. I love it. The difference between mainline and evangelical pastors' take on international political affairs, quickening Christ's return, was minimal, but race played a larger factor. Now, that said, surprised me. It doesn't surprise me. White pastors, 11%, are less likely to believe backing geopolitical events will hasten Jesus' second coming than African-American pastors, 20%. Here's why I think 
it's less in the white world as opposed to the African-American world. Because I believe that there are a huge amount of African-American churches that are largely conservative and, you know, and they get taught Bible prophecy more than white pastors. Now, that's just my opinion. I don't know for sure, but that's just my thought. Whatever. Um, or pastors of their ethnicities, 22%. The results show pastors 65 and older, 16% are more likely to agree than younger pastors, those 18 to 44. Yeah, because the older pastors, if you're over 65, there's a chance you actually went to a Bible-believing church that had a Wednesday night Bible study at some point in your life. Or went to a seminary that held biblical doctrines. Exactly. Anyway. The more education pastors have, the less they believe Christian support of geopolitical events uh, influences Christ's timing. Well, that's interesting to me because I'm thinking, well, it depends on where you go. If they're referring to pastors going to seminary or just being, gen you know, generally educated in general. I mean, there are a lot of pastors out there that don't go to seminary. And who don't go to college at all. So, but anyway, pastors without a college degree are more than twice as likely to agree that, as those with bachelor's or master's degree, 22% to 10. Overall, a relatively large minority of pastors see a connection between spreading the word and when Christ will come back. Well, that's because <laughs> biblical pastors are in the minority. Just saying. Uh, close to two in five, 41% believe Christians can hasten Jesus' second coming through world evangelism while around half disagree, the study showed. Jesus is urging in Matthew 28, 8 to spread the word to the ends of the globe and man's fulfillment of the directive as being factor in his return were further discussed from a pastor's perspective. The Great Commission was a task Jesus gave his followers to be doing while he's gone. Four in ten pastors believe the pace of sharing the message of what Jesus has done will impact the timing of Christ's return. Presumably, many of those who disagree would assert exclusively divine control over Christ's return. Perspectives from various demographic groups were explored. Denominationally, I said it. Yeah, I did. You know, this word looks difficult to say, but I actually said it, people. Um, Pentecostal pastors, 66% are the most likely to agree Christians can speed up Jesus' return by sharing the gospel with all people groups, while those with no college degree, 56% are more likely to agree than those with additional degrees. <laughs> pastors 65 and older are the age group most likely to agree, 52%. White pastors are more likely than African-American past African pastors to disagree that the second coming of Christ can be sped up by a global um, evangelism 55 to 43%. Now this is interesting that we're even having the conversation. <sighs> Gotta take a deep breath for a minute, people. Takes energy to read this article. It's a pretty long article. All right, morality plunge. Increased immorality is believed to be a sign of the end times. Well, duh. Almost 7 in 10, 68% of Protestant pastors agree culture will increasingly get less moral until Jesus Christ returns, while around a quarter, 26% disagree. Well, <laughs> well, okay. So the 26% clearly don't read the Bible. 
evangelical pastors, 80%, are far more likely to agree than mainline pastors, 51%. That's because evangelical pastors are more, more inclined to read the Bible. <laughs> pastors 45 and older, 71%, are more likely to agree than younger pastors, 62%. That's because older people tend to read the Bible more <laughs> than you. Baptist, 86%, and Pentecostal, 84% pastors are more likely to agree than the Church of Christ. Well, that's kind of interesting. Lutheran, Methodist, or Presbyterian, or Reformed pastors. Well, Reformed pastors don't give a crap, actually, about Bible prophecy at all. All they care about is their Reformed legalistic ways. And B... <laughs> I think it's a broad brush. Well, but... it, based on all the Reformed people I've seen and known... The Reformed camp of the... All Christian three of them? No, I've known quite a few, actually. But anyway, I'll be nice. I will not say anything about that anymore. But anyway, and the more education, the more skeptical. Those with no college degree, 90%, or a bachelor's degree, 81%, are more likely to believe immorality will increase until the return of Jesus than those with a master's degree. <laughs> Or a doctoral degree. Oh, oh gosh. God, jeez. That's, oh my God, this is horrible. McConnell gave his final take on the results. On the surface, the responses of most pastors could be described as feeling helpless regarding these specific aspects of the future. Yet the persistence of their faith amidst a lack of control points to an even greater level of hope. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. It's sad. That was sad. I'm so sorry, you guys. I apologize from my heart that I totally wasted all your time reading that article. I could have just read the last paragraph. Oh, my gosh. That was awful. Wasn't that awful? No, I think the statistics <sighs> were important to see. Um, you know, it depends how the question was phrased. We see these, you know, responses, but we don't see the question. You know, if it's, can can mankind, human beings, really have an effect on the divine timetable? I don't know. I don't know. I think so. But I it's, think... It's, it's not crystal clear uh, in Scripture. But, but, yeah, this seems to be confusing. Like Matthew 24... You know, 14, you know, the, this kingdom, or this gospel, the kingdom shall be preached to all nations, and then the end will come. Mm. You know, preach the whole world as a testimony to all nations, actually, the Lord said, and then the end will come. I mean, that gives a little bit of of an indication about the time of things that maybe evangelism is is a is a component to to the return of Christ, perhaps, you know. If he himself said well, that the you know this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all nations or preach the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come, I mean that that says something. And then you know as far as whether things will get more immoral before Christ's return, I mean Paul wrote quite a, a lengthy portion of his letter, to his second the first sec, second letter to Timothy, wasn't it? That in the last days, perilous times will come, and um, you know details quite a bit about well, this is, an increasing... as, in the, as in the days of Noah. Okay, 
So, as in the days of Noah, we know that it will be, I mean, I wasn't it Jude, somebody like that, who said, <laughs> hey, Jude, no. Um, you know, as in the, it, it will be as in the days of Noah. The, the Lord himself of, said that. That's what I thought. Yeah. What do I know, people? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you say it? That's what I, you thought. I thought it, but I just wasn't sure. I'm in relaxation mode, so it's kind of hard for me to think straight right now. Plus, I would like some Rocky Road ice cream, but that's another sure story that for another would. day. Well, any, anyway, so George said pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib is America the lion with wings or the multi-headed beast. Well, I, I don't think either, but... Bareface does not think either. Me? I haven't studied it enough to answer that and to sound intelligent. Not that I sound intelligent when I say anything else, but just saying, you know, I host the show, so... Uh, Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum's book, though, would actually help you answer that question because he really... And actually, here's the thing. I think... Um, I think that the behavior of believers worldwide can influence the second coming. And I say it, I say it based on um, the fact that the Jews have to repent, right? The Jews have to hasten the second coming. Um, there are more Messianic Jews in the world now than there ever have been. Okay. And, that's why Israel is so important. And that's why it's really super important to get the gospel out to Jews so that they can go, okay, we need to come, you know, the Messiah needs to come. You know, on Palm Sunday, when the Jews said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, they were, they were fulfilling Bible prophecy then, but it was only the first part, right? I believe the time of the Gentiles came in, which is the time that we're currently in. Um, are you done? You make a lot of noise. Like Grover? Yes. Anyway, without this getting into an end time Bible study, um, I think that um, it's a good question, people. Yeah, it is. So there you have it. That's We'll just end it there. How's that? And yes, I did say bareface, and you can laugh if you'd like. You know, bareface is my husband. Uh, you're relatively new, so you don't know that. I call Randall... Handle bareface, bareface. <laughs> and you, apparently, I have been calling you bareface for many years. Did you see the card that I posted of you that you gave me in 2006 that you signed bareface? Well, it was long before that. that you were... I know, but I'm, it's, you know, I just, it's in writing and uh, it didn't even, I didn't even remember that you signed cards bareface. Uh, it's been. Probably close to 20 years, anyway. Yeah. Where is Melanie? So my question to you is, why are you so obsessed with Melanie? That is my question. QT, um, you know, QT lady. Why don't you tell me why all of a sudden you're obsessed with Melanie? Because usually nobody gives a crap about Melanie at all. <laughs> and so I'm just curious, serious, seriously, why you're obsessed with it. At this point in history, because this is like old news, so either you're talking to her, right, and you're having some type of relationship with her, and you're you're bringing in here, or uh, you seriously have been out of the loop for a long, long time. <laughs> I would 
venture I would guess the first thing, but um whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, well, she used to be here because I didn't block her, but I block her cuz she lies to me a lot and she stalks me on social media. And so she's no longer has access to me on this platform unless she sets up another fake account, which she's done with some other accounts. So, um, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, you know, I refuse to do a whole show about it, but what I will say is that there's a reason. <laughs> and there's people that see the evidence that know exactly everything about it. So <clears throat> people who never asked me though, well, you'll never know. But anyway, um, so that's it. I hope you all have a good day. Tomorrow is Sunday, right? <laughs> trying to remember. Yeah, it's Sunday, is. right? Yeah. So tomorrow, Bareface, I think, is going to do a Bible study. We're in First John still. We're in First John. Mm -hmm. So I hope that you have a good rest of your day, night, whatever, and um, set boundaries like I did with Melanie, people. And remember also, be bold, stand up and go with God because he loves you. Yeah, he does. Um, and we'll talk to you later.